bless your holy name. We give you praise. Heavenly Father, we welcome your presence. Unite our hearts to fear your name. As we've been in your presence anyway, Lord, we just acknowledge you in all ways. Lord, as we commit ourselves and uh, this uh, rest of this time together, we just desire, Lord, that you help us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. Pastor Victor and Sister Annie have been, just the thought of them gives me a lot of encouragement and joy. Because some of the things that I'm going to share with you today and the testimony that I have went through 20 years of incredible pain and grief. And parts of those years, I was in fellowship with that and I. We were living in India because we were going through so much pain and, and difficulty. And the Lord used them, their friendship, their love, and their encouragement. We did not know exactly what we were going through. They did not know either. All I knew was, today, Brother Victor, I was thinking about the word adulam. You know, when David was going through so much, uh, uh, you know, uh, torment and tests and trials, the Bible says that adulam was a cave that David frequently went to. Adulam means retreat. Uh, and it's also called hiding place. So, you know, for me, during those years, 91 to, uh, sorry, 86 to 91 or so, uh, Adonai, well, just looking back, it was a time of healing, but it was my adulum. So it was my hiding place. It was a place where I found understanding, love, encouragement for me and my family here during those years, and I'm eternally grateful to both of you for that. Praise God. Hallelujah. This morning, uh, I have a kind of a crazy-sounding uh, title called Honey, I Shrunk the Devil. And that brings back some memories of a Walt Disney movie called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And uh, the general theme of that movie was basically a crazy scientist. He was an inventor, and he invented what is called an electromagnetic shrink machine. And he got frustrated thinking that all his efforts were in vain and it was not going to work. He just was so disappointed that this machine was not successful. Or so he thought. But it was successful, he just didn't realize it. Until a few kids in the neighborhood, when the ball came into his uh, research lab, you know, they came in over there and bumped into this machine. And this electromagnetic shrink machine shrunk these children into a quarter of an inch size. And later on, when, when uh, this machine was thrown away as trash, you know, the, the monumental task that these children had, because they were thrown also out with it, was they had to climb out of the garbage and find their way back home. And that's the general idea behind the movie. And when they tried to go home, they faced all kinds of challenges, you know. And uh, just a quarter of an inch, these kids, and when they started finding, going place, uh, trying to find their way home, on the way, uh, there was a, a group of ants that was just crossing right in front of them. But to them, it looked like a herd of elephants that just pushing their way through. And it was so scary. Everything around them looked so scary. Everything looked so big. And they were so small. They did not know what to do. And when they came near sprinklers, you know, where uh, some uh, water sprinklers was there towards the grass or so on the sidewalk, you know, these sprinklers, little sprinklers, they, to them it seemed like a tsunami. It seemed to them it was like a flood. It was like a huge, uh, uh, you know, uh, hurricane. And everything about them, from the eyes of a quarter-inch child, everything seemed completely scary, insurmountable, and uh, because this machine... Uh, the electromagnetic machine, shrink machine, seemed to have done a job on them. Today, as I share my testimony and some things from the Word of God, we're going to use the Holy Spirit, and uh, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to open the eyes of our understanding. We're going to use the tools of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit as our, God's electromagnetic shrink machine. By the time we're done, we're all going to say, Honey, we shrunk the devil. Give the Lord a hand of praise for that. 
And uh, I was uh, preaching in a city called Boston uh, many years ago. And uh, I was going to the airport to go speak in another city, Chicago. And as I was praying on what to speak, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Son, I'm going to give you some truths and revelation, on, and it's going to change your entire concept of spiritual warfare. I'm going to show you how Satan looks at you. And he's the one that's much more fearful and petrified of you, but he doesn't want you to know that. And so God began to open the eyes of my understanding. Let's look at Numbers chapter 22, please. We're going to read verses 1 to 7. Numbers 22, verses 1 to 7. And the children of Israel set forward. Can you please say that word, set forward? Say it loudly. Say it again. The children of Israel set forward. That means they had got themselves together in a mode of going forward. When you get your, you know, I was in sports here in Bangalore, and, you know, they would say, on your marks, get set, then go, right? So that's the idea. They organized themselves for advance, not retreat. They organized themselves to move forward in faith. So, and the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side, Jordan. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid. Can you say that, please? Sore afraid. Say it loudly. Say it one more time. Sore afraid. Hallelujah. So, now these are inhabitants of the land. You know, God said to Israel, drive out the inhabitants of the land. Drive them out, go possess the land. Drive them out, go possess the land. That was God's mandate for Israel. In Numbers chapter 33, by the way, I may be quoting some scriptures, so if you want to make a note of it, fine. Numbers 33, 55, God said, if you don't drive out the inhabitants of the land, then those of the inhabitants whom you allow to remain, they will become pricks in the eyes, thorns in the flesh, they will vex you. It's so easy to say God is allowing this and God is allowing that, all those kinds of things. But Numbers 33:55 is the Old Testament counterpart of our authority against demonic forces in the Word of God. So he says, Numbers 33:55, if you don't drive out the enemy, those of the inhabitants or those of the enemies that you allow to remain, they will become pricks in the eyes, thorns in the flesh, and they will vex you. The word vex means to frustrate you. Vex means to trouble you. Vex means to exasperate you. Vex means to drain you of your energy. If you've seen any of those Mexican bullfights on television at all, in a stadium, there's thousands of spectators watching. And then they open the, uh, the gateway, and a big, mad, powerful, wild bull starts running and chasing. And there's one man in the stadium, and this one man is holding a red, uh, a red uh, flag, and, uh, and he starts waving at this uh, mad wild bull. The, ma the wild bull focuses on that red rag and starts charging. Increase the momentum, increase the focus. And just as he gets like he was going to come right into that red rag, the man just pulls that red rag away. And you can see on television how this animal was so frustrated. All that momentum, all that focus, all that energy got drained. <coughs> and he turns on again one more time. He doesn't realize that the red rag is not the problem. It's the man behind it. Like this, the devil has had all kinds of red rags in our life, you know, make us focus and we just, you know, try to charge and look for deliverance, look for healing, look for victory. And it just seems like we're so frustrated. So what God's word says, Numbers 33:55, is those of the inhabitants whom you allow to remain. It's so easy for us to say, well, God allowed this for some reason and all those kinds. We know that there are certain things that are beyond our control and God can use those kinds of things. I'm not talking about that. But we are talking about when you don't use your authority in Christ, by default, the devil will use your authority against you. And that's the reason why Numbers 33, 55 says, if you don't drive out the inhabitants of the land, those are the inhabitants whom you allow to remain. They'll become pricks in the eyes, thorns in the flesh. They will vex you. They will trouble you. They will exasperate you. And they will drain you of energy. And that's what's happened to a lot of us in many, many ways. So that's what this is talking about. And uh, uh, verse 3 says, And Moab was sore afraid. Now this is a picture of the inhabitants of the land. 
Now we know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but in the Old Testament, Israel had to deal with these different uh, uh, groups of people that the enemy used against Israel to block Israel. So Moab was one of those kinds of uh, inhabitants. And so when we're looking at Moab or any of the inhabitants of the land, we're looking at a picture of Satan or a demon spirit or a characteristic of a devil. So <clears throat> this is the what the devil thinks about you. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And the next uh, section says, verse 3, and Moab was distressed. Everybody say distressed. Say distressed. Say sore afraid. Say distressed. Now, we can identify with that because the devil has tried to add those descriptive words and make us uh, personalize that from, I'm sore afraid. I'm so distressed. The devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. I'm so, you know, affected by all these things. And the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. You know, so the devil has brainwashed into thinking that is our identity. So it's normal to be sore afraid. It's normal to be extremely distressed. Those are not the tags of a believer. This is in the Bible. This is the way the devil looks at us. So he's sore afraid. He's so distressed because of the people of God. <clears throat> Verse 4 says, And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of Israel, a king of Moabites at the time. All right, so uh, this is a picture. Uh, in fact, he says, uh, Moab says, these Israelites, though they're small, they seem too mighty for us. Though they're small, you know, they are going to lick us up like an ox licks up the grass. I remember when I was younger, living in Bangalore, watching some of the cows in the morning. They start off, you know, one side of the field, and slowly they start licking the field, eating the grass, and as they begin to move forward. That's the picture. The devil looks at us this way. These are God's people. They're going to overwhelm us. They're going to take us over. And I like what one man said, the word persecution. Persecution is an expression of Satan's fear of us. It's an expression of Satan's fear of us. So that's the way the devil looks at us. He's so afraid. He's extremely distressed. And he thinks we're going to lick him up and all the things around. <clears throat> all right. And then uh, verse 6, he, uh, he goes to... Balak, uh, Balaam, sorry, and uh, the witch doctor. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Say this with me, please. Say, they are too mighty for me. Repeat that, please. They are too mighty for me. So many times we think this demon is too powerful. You know, it's a generational curse. It's Jezebel or Jezebel's cousin, whatever it might be. This thing is too powerful for me. So I'm so afraid. I'm so distressed. This thing is too powerful for me. I've been there. I understand that. Many of you also have been there. When the devil has put us through so many different kinds of things, that the only thing we can identify is, uh, you know, I'm so afraid, so distressed, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, but Satan is the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. The devil is a spirit of fear, and he wants you to accept that as your identity. Everybody say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Balak goes to Balaam, the great witch doctor, to curse God's people. That's the story here. That's the way the devil looks at God's people. He can't do much with us, so he wants to go for reinforcements, get more demonic powers to destroy God's people. And even that didn't work out. Uh, let's look at uh, Joshua chapter 2, please. Another uh, passage that tells us how Satan looks at God's people. Joshua chapter, Joshua chapter 2. Verses 9 to 11. 
And this is Rahab when the two men, the spies came. This is Rahab's confession. The inhabitants of Jericho. So this is how Satan looks at God's people. And it came in the words through Rahab. Verse 9 says, And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord had given you this land. Did you know that the devil knows our inheritance belongs to us? And God's word says, ask of me for the nations as an inheritance. Praise God. I know, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us. Imagine that. This is the devil saying, your terror has fallen upon us. Did you know that's the way that the devil looks at us? He thinks that we are spiritual terrorists. He's more afraid of us than we should be of him. Hallelujah. Your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Did you know you have given the devil Parkinson's disease? He trembles. Did you know you've given the devil a nervous condition? Do you know the devil's a basket here because of you? But he doesn't want us to know that. We're using God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit and revelation. We're applying God's electromagnetic uh, shrink machine. We're watching him shrink right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. And verse 11 says, As soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Hallelujah. Then she says, The Lord your God, he is the true God. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's the way the devil looks at us. He's so afraid. He's extremely distressed. He thinks we're too mighty for him. And uh, here, your terror. He thinks we're a terror. You know? And, uh, and, uh, and all the lands, uh, inhabitants of the land, faint. They give up. They faint. They're discouraged because of you. And when we heard these things, it says, our hearts did melt within us, and there remained no more courage in any man. Praise God. You look at in the New Testament, when Jesus went, demons started manifesting, and this is what they said. We know who you are. Have you come to torment us? That's the way the devil looks at us. Looks at us. When you know who you are in Jesus Christ, the devil knows it's trouble for him. Praise God. Hallelujah. James 2 and verse 19 says, the demons also believe and they tremble. They believe about God and they tremble. He's a trembling spirit. He's got Parkinson's disease. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 14, please. Isaiah 14. I'd like to read verses 1 to 3. Then I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony. Isaiah 14. One to three. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land and the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. Verse two. And the people shall take them and bring them to their place and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids. This is the important phrase here, uh, section. And they shall take them captives whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. They shall take them captives, whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. That's what we're going to experience this morning. I know thousands of miracles coming out of Adonai, of people being healed and delivered. It's just an amazing thing. So they will take them captives, whose captives they were. Another way of putting it is, you will take authority over that which had authority over you. And you'll rule over your oppressors. Praise God. Hallelujah. At uh, this time, I just want to share a little bit of my testimony here. It's a little difficult because it's hard to go back and... Because I've come a long ways from that, but I just want to give a little bit of a background. Uh, many years ago, uh, by the way, in 1981, 82, and 83, I was coming frequently here to Bangalore. We were having crusades and things, and, and I was going back. And uh, <clears throat> um, 
1983, a ministry was going so well, and uh, hundreds of churches were preached in the United States, and thousands of people around the world getting saved and healed and so on. But almost overnight, my whole world collapsed, and it took me over the next 20 years uh, of suffering, and I couldn't believe what happened. In fact, just before that, God had opened up New York City so much, I was negotiating for an office in the Empire State Building in New York, but just before I could move in there, my whole world collapsed almost overnight. We were at that time involved with a group of people that ended up turning into a demonic cult, and at first they seemed okay and everything else. And uh, uh, they ended up destroying 30 marriages, 30 families, just through demonic forces, witchcraft, found out later on the wife was a Satanist, and uh, the husband was very much in favor of a lot of the demonic things that happened. And uh, <clears throat> people were getting beat up. They were having impartations of demonic forces to destroy families. Um, and a lot of weird things began to happen, exploitation of all kinds. And even because I stood up against all of that, they focused their demonic energy and focused their witchcraft and things like that to destroy me because I called them to repentance and stood up against all of that. <clears throat> but uh, things I did not understand. Things happened that I could not understand. I went into deep depression. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, <clears throat> 1984, as I was going into that depression, uh, Brother DJS Dinakran, he called me from here. And he said, Brother, I want you to go with my family to Israel. I said, no, Brother, I really would not want to go. He said, yes, I want you to go. Brother, I'm really not that interested in that. He said, I insist that you go. And I said, okay, brother. You know, it's very expensive, though. He said, I'll pay half the way. So <laughs> he was determined to have me come. And so God used him as another part of an adulum experience for me during the time when I was going through these things. I was beginning to go into deep depression. <clears throat> and I was in Israel. And uh, the Lord spoke through Brother DJS Dinakar. And we were in the room of the, up, the Last Supper. And uh, uh, the Lord would appear to Brother Dinakaran and he'd prophesy. And uh, I was standing right next to him. And uh, he started to prophesy in a normal tone of voice. And, uh, and uh, as soon as he started, it was normal, but then he suddenly broke down and began to weep and weep and weep. And afterwards I said to him, I said, Brother, you started out with a normal voice. Why did you suddenly start weeping? He said, what you don't know, Brother, was I saw the Lord Jesus between us, right behind us. And when I, he gave me the words to speak to you, I saw him. He was weeping for you. And I also automatically began to weep. And he began to give some prophetic words, which I'll just tell you about that a little bit later. <clears throat> and uh, so God was using these kinds of situations to help me, but I, it was getting worse and worse for me. And the attacks of the enemy that we went through well, lasted about 20 years. And we just lost so many things uh, in our lives. And... Uh, they uh, focused their energy in an attack against my wife as well. And uh, unbelievable demonic attacks would come. And uh, one of the things she went through would be, she'd be going about doing normal things, and out of nowhere, a powerful demonic missile would come and hit her in the chest, making her feel breathless, and she felt like she was going to drop dead. And no matter how much I took authority over the devil, how much I resisted them, nothing seemed to work at all. The only relief for her would be to lay down on the bed and for two hours weep and weep and weep, and slowly that pressure would lift. That attack happened once a day for five years. And I was seeking God for answers. I began to read all kinds of books and uh, teaching tapes and everything else. Studied everything for 20 years. I studied so much on deliverance, so much on witchcraft and so from Christian perspectives, so much on uh, uh, generational curses and all that, and I could not find answers. So I began to go on a three-day fast, 10-day fast, many 40-day fasts, looking for answers, and I couldn't find uh, these kinds of things. By the way, um, uh, I have written a book, and uh, later on through Pastor Victor and the church, you can try to acquire one of these. This has more details about Honey, I shrunk the devil than I can. But I'm just speeding up a little bit because there's some other things that I want to share with you. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I went into deep depression. My wife went through these things. Doors closed in on us. All kinds of attacks. Uh, these guys had even had a guy to kill me because I stood up against all that. I wouldn't have believed it except I met the guy, a big tall guy, and uh, he had just left the group. 
And he said, Augie, be careful. Those leaders have people around them that'll kill for the sake of their leaders. I said, I don't believe it. He said, you're looking at one of them. He said, I was assigned to kill you, you know, and, uh, but I got out of the group, you know, and uh, so, but anyway, uh, all that to say, it was a huge trauma for me. My whole world collapsed for the next 20 years. I did not know what hit me. And things got so bad that in 1986, I decided to bring my family here uh, to Bangalore to live with my fa family and all that. It was during that time, Adonai was my adulam for me at that time. And Brother Victor and Annie were such, uh, they didn't know what we were going through, but their love and their encouragement went a long ways in helping us. Praise God. <clears throat> all right, then uh, this uh, went on. Uh, 90, I think it was 2002 or so, and I was going through a particularly painful time, still looking for answers. Lord, how do you find deliverance? How can I find uh, protection from attacks of the enemy? I was given a videotape by a, a Christian uh, psychologist called Dr. Ed Smith, and he had a ministry called Theophastic Ministry, but now it's changed to uh, tpm.org. That's a, a transformational prayer ministry, if you want to look him up. And... Uh, <clears throat> Somebody gave me a videotape of, uh, of his, and the subject was demons, witchcraft, Satanism, and things like that. And I thought, I've already, for 20 years, I've already read and studied so much of these things. You know, what does this guy know? He's a psychologist. On top of that, he's a Baptist, you know, and, you know, he's not charismatic, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know. So I really didn't have any expectations to learn anything. So reluctantly, I put that video on, and in the video, he started to say some things, and uh, it got my attention. He said, you know, Satan has no control over our lives except for the lies that we believe. And uh, I said, okay. Uh, then he said, uh, he said, many Christians believe demons are the problem and deliverance is a solution. He said, no, that's not true. He said, demons are there because of the problem, and the problem is the lies that we believe. He said that if you believe a lie that the devil is using, you, he can create a deceptive reality so that you can keep on believing the lie. Just like uh, Job, that which I feared greatly came upon me. The devil can create a deceptive reality so that he can keep on believing the lie. In fact, uh, in, uh, Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 22, I believe, it says, God rebuking the leaders of Israel for using witchcraft against God's people he said, uh, with lies, you've made the hearts of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. And uh, so as I began to listen to this, he said something that really angered me. He said, you know, many Christians believe Satanists and witchcraft people can see and send demons and curses to destroy Christians. He said, that's not true. He said, it's a lie to believe that. I got so angry when he said that. I said, you fool, you don't know what I've gone through. 20 years of hell to prove this thing. How can you say that? You know, and I got really angry. And uh, then he began to say some things. Uh, as I listened to him a little bit more, he said, you know, I have personally trained thousands of Christians to bring inner healing and demonic deliverance for some of the worst kind of abuse situations, satanic ritualistic abuse. He's deal he deals with people that uh, when they were kids, uh, they watched another kid have, sorry, watch another kid have his tongue cut off and then thrown into uh, where the Satanists gave them as a human sacrifice. And they would tell these other kids, if you ever open your mouth and tell anybody else what you've seen, that's what's going to happen to you. So these guys would push all these uh, horrible memories and sights and um, situations and they'll grow up and they'll, it'll affect their lives. So it's those kinds of things, extreme situations of abuse, and extreme situations of molestation, uh, brutality, and things like that. And the kids grow up with a lot of those kinds. He deals with those kinds of people and brings incredible deliverance and inner healing uh, for such people. He said, you know, I have personally trained thousands of Christians to bring inner healing and demonic deliverance for these people, and tens of thousands of people are getting set free. That's what he said. Then he said, don't you think that the Satanists are angry with me? He said, of course they're angry with me. He said, don't you think that they're probably sending demons and curses to destroy me? He said, of course they're trying to do that. Then he said, how come it hasn't affected me not even one time? He said, it's because I don't believe the lie. They have that kind of authority over me. <laughs> Amen. 
that really got my attention. <clears throat> and uh, I, uh, you know, it would be different if somebody else said that. Then all of a sudden it dawned on me. He said, uh, I, I thought to myself, I began to weep. It was my moment of truth. My, the reason I began to weep was, you mean to tell me that for 20 years I could have walked in peace? You mean to tell me for 20 years I'd believed a lie that such people had that kind of authority? And I just began to weep and weep. And uh, then that was on a Wednesday afternoon. That evening uh, I was part of Dave Roberson's uh, church. Dave was my mentor. He's a great man, very accurate in the prophetic word. I trained under his ministry. And I believe you guys were exposed to some of his ministry also. And uh, I said, Lord, I'm going to go to church tonight. I won't say anything to Dave. But I want you to prophetically speak to me tonight. I'm going to go up for prayer. Two things, Lord. If what Ed Smith said on the video is the truth. Secondly, what do I need to know about witches and Satanists and Satanism and things like that? So I was weeping all the rest of the day until I went to church. Weeping because, you mean to tell me for 20 years I could have walked in peace? You mean to tell me for 20 years I'd believed this lie? So I went to church that night, went up for prayer. There was a long line of people. When Dave came to me, he said, what do you want me to pray for? I just said, Dave, just pray. Just pray. And he was quiet, and I was just begging God, earnestly asking God, you have to speak to me through him. You've got to tell me these two things. Did what Ed Smith said in the videotape, is that truth? What do I need to know about these witches and Satanists and things like that? What seemed like a long pause, I had my eyes closed, bowed down like this. I heard over the microphone, Dave began to prophesy to me. He said, Augie, I just saw a vision from the Lord. Now I understand what you've been going through. He said, in this vision, I saw a group of people. I saw this group of people chanting. I saw them in a coven, like a witch's coven. And he said, but here's the good thing. Jesus told me to tell you, don't even, have, don't even pay any attention to them whatsoever. They're absolutely powerless. There's nothing they can do except make a bunch of noise. They're absolutely powerless. And then he said, and he got so angry because of what he saw in the vision. And he said, Augie, if, you know, if, if, they're, um, if they were to blow their nose, there wouldn't be enough power in their brains uh, to even blow their nose because they're that powerless. And he got very angry about it. Then he said, all this is rooted in you in knowing who you are. He said, they're still active, but all this is rooted in knowing who you are. He said, I could see them. I can see them. They're doing this thing, yes, but don't even pay attention to that. They're absolutely powerless. There's nothing they can do whatsoever. All this is rooted in you knowing who you are. And uh, I knelt down and just wept. I said, Lord, nobody knows what just happened. That night I went back. I got my answer. I knew what I had to do. I had believed the lie that these people had that kind of power and authority to destroy my life, my family, and so on. And uh, I knew what I had to do. I had to choose to disempower Satan by choosing to disbelieve the lie that they had such kind of a power over me. And I began to renounce that. I said, Satan in every wicked spirit, a witchcraft, black magic, sorcery, and all those things, and every wicked spirit controlling the root of this lie, you have no more dominion over me. I have dominion over you. And in the name of Jesus, I disempower you by choosing to disbelieve the lie that they had this kind of a thing in the name of Jesus. And then the weights and the heaviness just began to just lift from my mind. <clears throat> and uh, that has never come back again. That was 20 years ago. Then I thought, I got to find out who this guy is. I want to attend his meetings. And I looked at the internet, and I found out the next meeting in two weeks' time, where he was going to be, is in the exact same area in the United States, in that particular state, where I went through all that hell. All that hell had broken loose against me. You see, all those 20 years, whenever somebody mentioned the name of that state, something in me would just break. It was so hurtful. Don't mention that state. It cost me so much. So when I saw that Ed Smith was going to be there, I mustered up some courage. I said, God, I got to go. So two weeks later, I went there. 
and there was about 1,500 people, all professionals, 200 pastors, hundreds of psychologists and counselors and psychiatrists, and uh, so on, medical doctors. And I was sitting on the top balcony. I was excited because this guy said something, the truth, and the truth set me free. I got to learn more about it. I'm so eager. I'm sitting on the top balcony, eager to hear Dr. Ed Smith. When he came, he just said, uh, before I start speaking tonight, I want to give you a few, uh, uh, an opportunity for some of you to come and give your testimonies of what this ministry has done in your life. As soon as he said that, I was sitting on the balcony. The Lord immediately said, I want you to go down and give you a testimony. I said, no, Lord, no, I don't want to go. You know? And uh, then uh, second time he said, I want you to go down and give you a testimony. I didn't have the heart to tell the Lord, Lord, I didn't come to hear you. I came to hear Ed Smith. <laughs> Third time he said, I want you to go down and give you a testimony. So reluctantly I came down. By the time I came, the, time I came uh, the other people were finishing up their testimonies. I was the last one. <clears throat> and uh, I gave my testimony. I just wept and wept as I gave. I said, 20 years ago, right here in this state, all hell broke loose. And I told them about 20 years of hell that I went through. To, to, told them about all the things of the wife's attacks and, and the depression and everything else. And I said, uh, a few days ago, Brother Ed, he's a big tall guy. I said, Brother Ed, a few days, a few couple of weeks ago, I saw your videotape. I was so angry with you because I thought, what would you know? How would you understand anything? But when you spoke the truth, the truth gripped me so much. And uh, that night I went to my church, I told them, and uh, asked God to give me a prophetic confirmation about it. And this is what, and by the way, one of the things Ed Smith says was, the most important thing is you need to be established in knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. And that's what Dave's prophetic word was. You know, all this is rooting in you, knowing who you are. And uh, so I gave my testimony. I was weeping as I gave. And I just said, I thank God that God allowed me to come right back to the same area where all this hell started. I thank God for this opportunity to testify that Jesus Christ is Lord and the devil is a liar. 1,500 people jumped up and began to, you know, clap and praise God, but I was just a mess, you know. You know, Ed Smith in one of his magazines, he has this uh, cartoon picture, a Christian wearing the full armor of God. And the Christian is squeezing the neck of the demon, and the demon is making a confession to the Christian with the armor of God. And the demon says, your fear of us is based on a lie. Our fear of you is based on truth. <laughs> Honey, we shrunk the devil. I wish we had a little bit more time to share more. But again, this book has a lot more. On the back of it, I'll just read this. You can get it from my website as well. On the back of it, it says, how can God's truth, uh, you'll find answers to these questions. How can God's truth paralyze Satan's lies? Can witches and satanic people send demons and curses to destroy Christians? How can God turn my life from curses to blessing? Can I walk free from depression, sickness, and disease? How can I take back the authority that belongs to me in Christ? How can I rebuild the foundation of faith? AugieDavid.org is our, our website. And uh, I know we have another service and everything else. But uh, I'll be sharing a little bit more uh, with regards to what Brother Dinakran's prophecy. 30 years later, about 10 years ago, I went back to Israel. And... Uh, I went to the room of the Last Supper. Do we, can I have another five minutes, brother? Is that okay? Okay. I uh, went to the room of the Last Supper, and, uh, and I started feeling sad. This was 30 years after Brother Dinakran's uh, uh, prophecy. And the prophecy was this. I forgot to tell you that. 34, um, in 1984, the prophecy was this, when Jesus and Brother Dinakran was weeping and prophesying to me. He said, uh, the Lord said through him, Son, a day is coming when America will own you. America will be proud to call you their son. All that you have ever lost, I will restore everything back twice as much. And uh, that was 1984, but I went through so many more years of pain and sufferings, and I was disappointed. So 10 years ago, that is 30 years after the prophetic word, I was sad when I went there. I told my wife and my, uh, a couple of other friends over there, you guys just wait for me outside. I just want to be quiet and pray. Here I was in the room of the Last Supper. It's a small place. So many people coming and going. 
I just found a corner, just leaned against the wall. And I told the Lord how disappointed I was with him. You appeared to Brother Dinakarin right in this place 30 years earlier. You told me all these kinds of things, that you'll restore everything back. Yeah, there was a lot of improvement, but I said, by this time, Lord, do you think I'd come a I would have come a lot, much longer way than where I am? While I was talking to God that way, how disappointed I was. A lady from France came through the crowd, running towards me. She said, excuse me, sir, excuse me. Jesus wants me to talk to you. He said, please forgive me. I don't know who you are. I never do this thing. I said, no, go ahead. She said, can I pray for you first? She said, I said, yes. She prayed a beautiful prayer in French. <clears throat> and then she said, Jesus tells me to tell you. He's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten you. He told me to tell you everything that you've ever lost. He's going to restore everything twice as much. He said, Jesus tells me to tell you, not too long from now, people all over the world are going to start asking questions about you. Who is this man? I want to hear what he has to say. I was so amazed. I said, thank you, sister. So may I have your name or email or something like that? She looked at me. She said, if it's God's will. And she turned around and just disappeared. And then the next day, we were at the, the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall of Israel. I had three questions, uh, a prayer request, that I wanted to I put on a piece of paper that I was going to go in between the rocks there and put it there like a lot of people do. And my first and most important prayer request was this. I wrote it in big letters, total restoration. And I said, Lord, whatever your idea of total restoration was, that's what I desire, number one. The other two were smaller requests, but it wasn't as important as number one. So slowly, I had this thing, a piece of paper with my three prayer requests, especially the first one. As I started walking towards the, the western wall, and there was thousands of people all over the place. As I started walking, there was a man dressed in black. He looked like an army, you know, captain or something. Dressed in black. He walked with authority. He looked very serious. Looked very angry. And he was walking like this as I was walking like that. From about 20 feet away, with anger and serious face, with authority, he pointed his finger to me and, and he said, Isaiah 54, 17. And he started walking away. I thought, what was that? And God's used Isaiah 54 in the past. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Every tongue rising against you will be condemned. So he went off. Then I got my mind on this thing. Lord, whatever your idea of total restoration is, that's what I want. I had three uh, prayer requests, but the number one was the most important. So I got my mind on this thing, started walking there. And I put that piece of paper, prayer request, in, in the, you know, the cracks of the big rock. And this is what I said, Lord, whatever your idea of total restoration is, that's what I want. I forgot about this guy. Slowly I started walking back. There's hundreds of people everywhere. From a distance I saw this guy, the man that's dressed in black that said those words to me. I quickly ran up to him. I said, brother, thank you so much for Isaiah 54, 17. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And then he started walking closer to me. No smile, very serious. He looked, his face looked very angry, dressed in black, walked with authority, came to me, put his finger right near my face. Let me tell you this. He had a rough voice. Let me tell you this. Jesus tells me to tell you. He's going to give you total restoration. Jesus tells me to tell you. You carry a unique anointing. And you need to protect that anointing. Jesus tells me to tell you. There are many people that you think are your friends, but they're not your friends. They don't have good in their heart towards you. You have to be very careful about your inner circle. And I didn't want to ask him for his name or number. where He might disappear like that lady the day before. So I gave him my card. I said, brother, 
if Jesus ever tells you to call, call, please call. <laughs> Two months later, uh, I got a call from him. And uh, I said, who's this? And he says, this is Aaron. I met you a few months ago in Israel. And I recognize his voice. And he says, Jesus told me to call you. He told me to tell you. The best is yet to come. And he hung up the phone. And in the last eight or nine years, so many things have taken place. Um, I was honored in the Capitol Hill in the United States. A friend of mine was an ambassador. He, um, through his institution, gave me an honorary doctor degree for developing global leaders. I said, uh, then he said, I want to honor you more in the Capitol Hill in the government. I said, no, Dr. Rivers, I said, I don't, want, I don't want that. You've already done enough. He said, I said, Paul Denakran is more honorable than me, so can we have him take that honor instead of me? He said, no, he can come also. So about eight years ago, Paul Denakran and myself, we were honored at the Capitol Hill, and they gave us an uh, award uh, certificate called Christian Statesman Award. And uh, so many things have happened, you know, uh, nations and governments. And uh, there's a lot to share by way of, so and I'm still, the idea of God's final total restoration is still being unveiled. So many things. God began to open up a, a, a direction for me to start a, a company uh, called GLA Connection. You can check it out. It stands for Global Leadership Alignment. We connect global leaders with technologies that benefit nations and bring ideas to market with friends in high places. Uh, we're dealing with things in government, in the U.S., and, uh, and uh, inventors, investors. We're mentoring people in all kinds of things. We're also dealing with a lot of things with uh, uh, Hollywood movies and, and Bollywood movies. You don't know this, uh, Brother Victor and uh, Sister Annie, my son Joshua, and they know our family. Uh, Joshua uh, recently got qualified to be officially a Hollywood actor, but he's, uh, God opened up so many Hollywood things for me. I've got proper people over him to mentor him so that uh, he doesn't get messed up in Hollywood. And so some of you may have heard of God's Not Dead 1 and 2 movies. Uh, all those guys, they become very close friends of mine. And so we're doing a lot with Hollywood and with Bollywood, and that's one of the things that I'm doing on this trip here in India. Uh, by God's grace, I'm going to meet with, have lunch with Johnny Lever tomorrow. And uh, there's a lot of things that are going on here. But I don't know. It's never ending because 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, you know, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither has it entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. God gave me two promises. I'll make up to you for the years that the enemy has stolen. I'll give you beauty for ashes. And uh, there's so much I could share. But uh, tonight, uh, this morning, I'd like us to make some declarations, take authority over any, expose the lies that the enemy has tried to use to control our lives. And uh, we're going to make some declarations. Another book I'm writing is called Verbal Engineering. God is the original verbal engineer. So we're going to make some declarations. And we're going to, you know, just shrink the devil in all the areas of our lives. And uh, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Shall we all stand up, please? And let's just uh, uh, make some declarations, please. Lift your hands up to the Lord. Those of you that are here and those of you that may be watching elsewhere, uh, make this declaration. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me by your precious blood. I believe in my heart. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. I declare with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I am born again. I receive this word today. And in the name of Jesus, every wicked spirit controlling the roots of lies in my life, I'm talking to you. You have no more dominion over me. I have dominion over you. And in the name of Jesus, you are bound, paralyzed, brought to nothing under my feet in the name of Jesus. I declare I have been delivered from the authority of darkness, translated into the kingdom of light. I'm diligently hearing the word and doing the word. You've set me far above all my circumstances, all the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. 
are coming upon me and overtaking me. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. If the devil comes one way, he flees seven ways. I'm continually speaking the word, meditating the word, acting on the word. I make my way prosperous. I have good success. In Jesus' name, every wicked spirit controlling the roots of sickness and disease and pain in my body, I'm talking to you. You have no more dominion over me. I have dominion over you. And in Jesus' name, you are bound, paralyzed, brought to nothing under my feet in the name of Jesus. I believe I have received supernatural healing and health towards a very long life in Jesus' name. Every wicked spirit of oppression and depression, witchcraft and sorcery, curses of all kinds, you have no more dominion over me. I have dominion over you. I take authority over that which had authority over me. And I rule over my oppressors. And in the name of Jesus, you're cursed to the roots. In Jesus' name, I believe I am free. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, with the gift of righteousness, I rule and reign in this life as kings. Honey, we shrunk the devil. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Uh, you know, we've been talking about God opening our spiritual eyes, and uh, one of the things I said in Dubai and I've been saying, uh, God knows, God sees Jesus on the inside of you. Amen? The devil sees Jesus on the inside of you. When are you going to see Jesus on the inside of you? And I feel, you know, that God will open, I pray, I will pray for you, that God will open your spiritual eyes for you to see the Christ in you, the hope of glory. What was the Apostle Paul's uh, success? Galatians 2.20. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. How many of you would like to give God a shout this morning and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, this is why Jesus said, go and teach before you deliver. Four, five days of teaching is to expose the lies of the enemy. The more truth we have, the less power the enemy will have in us and around us. Church, come, let's pray. Father, I pray. Thank you for Augie. Bless him and bless his family. Thank you for the word that he's brought. Strengthen him, Lord. But I pray above all that, open our spiritual eyes that we will see Jesus on the inside of us. And Lord, when we see Jesus on the inside of us, the devil will have no place in us and over us because you reign victoriously. In Jesus' name, amen.